Hello and welcome into NCBI's Technology Podcast. My name is Stuart Lawler. This is episode number 56 for January 2017. Thank you as always for downloading and subscribing to our monthly technology podcast and Happy New Year. Hope you had a great Christmas and I hope you'll have a very happy, successful and healthy 2017. Stay with us for the next 53 or so minutes. We've got a packed podcast. We'll be meeting Eleanor Merchant, who is um, a secondary school student from Navan and will be introducing us to NoteCheck, which she will be showing at this year's BT Young Scientist exhibition. Sharon Lyons is along to talk to us about Sharon's shortcuts. Really interesting interview too. And And finally, I'll be catching up with Siobhan Long, Joan O'Donnell and Christina McCarthy at the launch of Enable Ireland's Assistive Technology Discussion Paper. That's all coming up on this month's edition of NCBI's Technology Podcast. Well, as we start a new year and a new set of technology podcasts, it's a timely reminder to say that if you'd like to get involved, if there's anything you'd like to talk about or you think we could cover, or there's something you'd like to tell our podcast listeners about, maybe you've got a cool new piece of technology that we're not aware of and you'd like to share, then remember that all-important email, technologypodcast at ncbi.ie. We always love to hear from you. January is a time when we're planning ahead for the year and uh, we do have some exciting things coming up on our technology podcast over the next couple of months. So I do hope you're going to enjoy that. And as I say, feedback's always welcome. So technologypodcast at ncbi.ie is that all-important email address. You're listening to NCBI's Technology Podcast for January 2017. And January is a time when we think about the BT Young Scientist Exhibition, major event here in Ireland to support young and upcoming inventors and scientists and innovators with all sorts of product ideas. And we have one such innovator here. I'm delighted to welcome Eleanor Merchant, who's a transition year student from Navin. Eleanor, welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having me. Great to, great to have met you today. You have a very interesting product, and we'll come to that in a second. But first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm in transition year in Loretto in Navan, County Meath. And yeah, it's just a great year, transition year, to just try different things and get a different side of school as apart from all the study. Okay. And, and the, the, the Young Scientist Exhibition, I was at it last year. We had some uh, podcast recordings actually last year. It's a, it's a huge event, isn't it? Yeah. Um, lots of people apply for it. There's like, I think, over maybe 1,000, if not 1,500 projects and only a certain amount, about 500, get accepted. So it's a huge um, nationwide event. And yeah, it's very big. So tell us about what product you're going to be showing and by the way I suppose as people are listening to this podcast the Young Scientist exhibition is taking place from the 11th of January is that right? Yeah, 11th. So people can come and see you and meet you and see the product in, in, in the flesh so to speak. Um, so what, what, what is the product? Well what I've designed it's called NoteCheck and it's a kind of small wallet like device to help a blind or visually impaired person identify euro notes. So it has four um, plastic kind of laminated sheets and each are the size of the euro notes so there's a five which is the same size as the five euro a 10 20 and 50 so on the notes they're all different contrasting colors on the slots and there's a large printed number and the braille up the top corner so if a person is receiving back change in a shop or taking money out of their wallet and they want to check if they think it's a 10 euro, they go to the second slot and put it in, place it, and it will fit exactly because it's the same dimensions. If that had been a 20, they'll be able to feel around the edge that it's too big, so they'll have to go back another slot to the 20 where it'll fit exactly. And, and you know, this is interesting because this, this is a problem for a lot of visually impaired people. We know whether you're blind or you have low vision. And the other thing I suppose I was thinking as I looked at um, your note check system this morning is that... It, there are, there are um, other devices out there, obviously, that can do this. There are devices that will vibrate when you put a note into them. There's a whole load of apps you can get for phones that use the camera to tell you. But they're a bit clunky. This is something that you could just carry in your wallet. Yeah, so, um, um, 
like a lot of things you just want a simple design because yeah. like it is hard enough to do everyday things if you're blind or vision impaired so you don't want some other bulky or hard thing to do so it's just like a simple design that you can carry around with you and it's not too much effort and it should be reasonably easy to use Okay. Now, now you're you're fully sighted. You're you're yep. not visually impaired, right? We just established that. So, what what made you interested in doing something like this? Well, I have a younger sister called Sarah, and she is <clears throat> she's blind herself. So, I was just thinking when coming up with the idea that I wanted to create something that would help her in the future as she's growing older and getting more independent. It's really interesting how family connections can often lead to the development of such great innovations so that somebody sort of sees this is a problem that a sibling might have, how can I help? And it sounds like that's exactly what happened with you. Now, I know you've been meeting, you've been meeting with some people here this morning, you've met some NCBI service users in Navan. What, What have people been saying to you? Yeah, people have been really supportive and they really like the idea and also they've given me great feedback, which is one of the most important things because I just want to continue to develop the idea. This is on the third prototype now and just keep getting new ideas as to what to add, maybe what to take away, and different adaptations that would improve the, the original design for people. So this is not just, you know, when, when the young scientist finishes, you'd like to continue with this product and take it further? Yeah, well, I'd like to actually have it available for visually impaired people to use because the feedback has said that they actually would like it, that someone even asked, when can I buy one? So, yeah, if I could be able... It won't just stop at the Young Scientist. I hope to be able to make this a proper kind of plastic um, version that I can hopefully help people with. You, you have to go on uh, Junior, Junior Dragon's Den, by the way. I can, I can see you on Junior Dragon's Den in the future. Uh, listen, Eleanor, it's a fantastic idea. It's a, it's a great, it's such a simple solution to a, to a problem. Um, low tech, which are often the best solutions, yeah. um, and it's really good. So, can I wish you all the very best for the, for the exhibition, uh, the Young Scientists. Congratulations on what you've done so far, and I'm looking forward to staying in touch with you and hearing what you're doing in the future. Thank you. listening to NCBI's technology podcast for January 2017. It feels strange saying 2017, but we are in 2017 and delighted once again to be joined by Sharon Lyons. Sharon, welcome back. Hello, Stuart. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to Happy you. Happy New Year How to you your, and everybody. Uh, thank you. How was your break? Oh, it was good. It was good. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, always enjoy the break. Good stuff. the New Year. It's nice, nice, fresh start in the new year yeah it does feel like that doesn't it and yeah. you, you kind of want to just get going and get into it yeah. um it we're, we're recording on this 5th of january and this podcast will be available sometime around the 8th or 9th mm. but i was in my locals friendly centra shop yesterday oh yeah and they were still playing christmas music oh, and i just God. wanted to say please turn it off oh you well know. it's not it's not the the full 12 I days know, of christmas i know i know that's yeah. what i was thinking they're probably waiting for the 12 days i still have all my direct uh, my uh, decorations up and oh, okay. I'm, I'm dying to take them down at the okay. stage actually well. to be honest um, anyway, look, we're here today to talk to you about Sharon's Shortcuts, actually. Yes, indeed. Because yes. we've been running this Sharon's Shortcuts feature for quite a while with really great feedback, it has mm. to be said. People have been very excited and very supportive. And I know a lot of the computer clubs around the country, mm-hmm. a lot of people from outside the country, I think Sharon, have contacted us right, as well. Right, Because um, there's a lot of international listenership yes, to our podcast. Indeed, you Much know, the, appreciated, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> the name Sharon's Shortcuts came through this podcast, but Sharon's Shortcuts has, I guess, taken on a life of its own outside of this podcast. It has it? indeed, yes. So um, I have actually left uh, employment with NCBI and I've set up on my own um, as a kind of a freelancing tutoring service. Um, and it's called Sharon's Shortcuts, uh, IT training without the mouse. So it's all about keyboard shortcuts still. It's kind of, you know, and I'm conscious we're having this conversation, it's kind of funny because you have left NCBI, as you said, you you finished up with us at the end of August. Mm -hmm. And in some ways I feel, and you and I worked very closely together, we were right next door in the next office. In some ways I feel I've seen you more since you've left (laughs) because we've been recording these shortcuts and you're helping with our evening ECDL program, which is ongoing. That's right, yeah. You certainly haven't haven't lost your links with NCBI. No, and I'd never want to do that. No, um, I've absolutely loved working with NCBI for the past 10 years, but I just wanted to do something different for a while and I'd had this on my mind for for a good long time. Um, In fact, someone said to me years ago, um, you should write a book about using 
the computer without the mouse all about keyboard shortcuts and and I kind of said well that's very thank you for saying that but uh, a book's not a lot of good to a blind person so I kind of put it didn't really think any more about it and then I thought well what about a website so uh, I'm very happy to say that uh, a big part of um, of what I really wanted to do is now well complete well phase one is complete and I have a, a website up and running with a lot of information on it for free for people who like to use keyboard shortcuts okay and we're going to come and actually show that website in a minute but before we do that 10 years you just mentioned there 10 years with ncbi 10 years of your life i know before that you were with i think ericsson so you've been a uh, a PAYE person let's say for, for quite a while you've yes. had your wages coming in at the end of the month you haven't had to worry about tax it's true what's, yeah. what's the experience like when you go away from that because I've never done it I, I've never been self-employed my dad has uh, for his right. life but yes. what's it like coming from the relative in so much as anything is secure nowadays relative security of <laughs> PAYE of this monthly pay package to kind of having a, a fair bit more work to do well it's um it's pretty scary. <laughs> um, I have, uh, you know, I have a support of, of, of family and friends and obviously my partner um, who has been massive support to me. Um, but I, it's, it's kind of, it's complicated because you have to do a lot of the paperwork yourself. And I'm still, I'm still very busy actually. Um, and, but I'm getting to do a lot of different things. Um, and you have to be very disciplined as well with yourself. You have to, you know, you're your own boss, but I'm a pretty tough boss as it's <laughs> You're tough on yourself, right? Yeah, absolutely. We, 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 were, we were speaking to Josh O'Connor a little over a year ago on this oh, podcast. Yeah. And Josh yeah. used to work with NCBI and he moved on. And, and I kind of asked him the same question. And he was making the point that for him, a lot of the stuff hadn't changed. He was doing the same type of work in yes. a different way. He's still yes. doing all the accessibility stuff. You're still doing all the training stuff. You're clearly still very much attached to, to the assistive technologies that you would have supported here in NCBI. Is that is that the similar similar for you? It is, it is. And actually, um, I did do a part-time job um, for a bit there before Christmas just to... to keep my hand in and um it actually just proved to me that i want to continue doing what i have been doing for the past 10 years but just in a slightly different way and um yeah just uh it's it's just good to challenge yourself do something a bit different um and um and help people at the end of the day you know so the website Sharon's shortcuts and you've you've mentioned and we're going to talk about that in a sec you've mentioned the website and the fact that people can kind of uh, using a computer without the mouse but and that's one of the things you've been doing but the other thing is you are offering training you you are you are kind of ready to offer training isn't it? I am yeah I am I'm um I'm kind of a freelance tutor specializing in in using a computer without a mouse as it were so um you know specializing in helping people with a vision impairment uh, in Ireland. So if, if people, w- when they're listening, people are listening to this podcast today, mm-hmm. may want to engage your services, it's possible to do that through the website, is that right? Absolutely, yeah. There's a contact page, there's a page a bit about the tutoring services, and um, obviously it uh, would be a paid service. Yes, of course. Because so, I'm not actually funded by anyone at the yeah. moment. Okay. <laughs> So, but so, it is so it's an option, yeah. And, yeah. and there are training rates that you can talk to people yeah, about. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. Now, what's it like building a website? I've, I've looked at your website. We'll have it we'll put it on the show notes for this episode. It's really mm. good. It's very accessible. It's very easy to find stuff. It's oh, not good. cluttered. Thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so it's really good, first of all. What was the experience like building that? It's, um, oh, it's, it's really, I can understand what it's like someone kind of writing a, writing a book or uh, somebody painting a picture you know it's it kind of takes everything from you in a good way like you put everything into something and you've just got these ideas and you're lying in bed at night and thinking oh maybe I should do that and um, it's really good it's kind of all consuming but it's really good it's a really good experience so it's it's my baby you know (laughs) Did, did you have to sort of were you aware of web development before you did this had you done this before or did you have to learn new skills i yeah that's a really good question actually because in a way um yes and no and yes yes and yes <laughs> i have i teach web editing at ecdl level kind of um basic web editing so i knew the code 
and I have created a website before um, but I quickly realized that this was something a, a bit bigger than what I'd done before and you couldn't really do it from scratch so I had to learn a, a development platform called WordPress that I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with and WordPress is a very powerful tool it's also a little bit restrictive and you kind of have to do you have to kind of do it in their way a bit but it's it's worked out really really well um and i went on a course and everything uh so i've been a student <laughs> um over the past few months and and this is the result okay so the result is as uh, sharon's it, sharon's hyphen shortcuts to high it is w- yes w- i know it's a bit dash. tricky okay because i i know the very first time i looked at it, i think i went sharon's shortcuts without the hyphen and it didn't ha- come up so then i realized yeah, sorry about that. okay um, yes <laughs> so. actually the if you put it into google um the, unfortunately there's a well not unfortunately but there is a hairdresser in sydney called <laughs> sharon's shortcuts <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> and fair play to you know, Sharon. I think we should get her on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> she might not want to talk to me when my my uh, my SEO starts uh, getting better okay. and I get to the top. Okay, but it's going to take time. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just it's it's quite an amazing okay. way the web works, and um, yeah. I, I think we should say that if anyone is in Australia, check it out. Sharon's yeah. shortcuts. Yeah, okay. see, I'm advertising for her. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> So let's have a look at this Sharon's Shortcuts, which is sharons-shortcuts.ie. Yes. Um, what can people find at the moment on the website? Right. Okay. Well, there is um, four main areas that I've concentrated on for the content. So there's file management, Outlook emails, Word documents, and Excel spreadsheets. And when it, within each of those sections, there's about 12 different topics. Um, And then there's also a section called Pocket Podcasts, which will have my slot from, with your help, Stuart, thank you, um, my slot from the um, NCBI technology podcast, um, maybe a month after. Yeah, so, and, and we're very happy to be kind of collaborating on that because I think it's brilliant. it's great that we're kind of sharing this this audio as well. Yeah, it is. It's 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 great. And the and the pocket podcasts, as I call them, will have like a list of keyboard shortcuts with them with each one. So you'll be able to take that away for future reference. Brilliant. Okay, so um, we'll jump in, shall we? Let's jump in. Um, so I've already put in Sharon's dash shortcuts.ie good way to remember is it's four s's so there's an s either end of sharon and a dash in the middle and an s either the end of uh, shortcuts so you remember it's plural um now i'm on the main um page so if i did um insert and t i think it is sharon's shortcuts it training without the mouse sharon's shortcuts mozilla firefox okay that's nice it doesn't say too much <laughs> um and I'm on the home page. So I find now I can go down and there'll be kind of a main menu with home about, uh, etc. And if I go up, though, out of list visited link skip to main content. So if you arrive on the on the website and you press control, as we always say, press control to stop the screen reader talking and arrow up, there's a skip to main content um, link. And I press enter on that. Main landmark this site is an educational resource for anyone who loves to use keyboard shortcuts, whether out of choice or necessity. People who use screen readers, such as NVDA or JAWS, have to rely on accessing everything on a computer with the keyboard. This site is dedicated to these users. Okay, I just stopped that there. Okay, Um, on the main page also, if you arrow down a little bit further, there's a... Um, mailing list sign up section so there is a Sharon Shortcuts mailing list uh, there'll only be like one email a week if you sign up to it and I can press E actually it should take me out of list main landmark frame enter your email editors auto complete okay so you would type in your email there and press enter and you can sign up to my main list and hear all about the, uh, the shortcut of the week each week and any news about new things that are going to come onto this website. Fantastic. Okay. And then my favourite shortcut on a website is H for heading. So if I press H for heading... Out of frame, complementary landmark, step-by-step, heading level four. 
Okay, I was looking for step by step. Now it says the odd kind of landmark and stuff. That those things are a little bit out of my control. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I say with WordPress, and although I'm learning how to kind of adapt it, so and with Josh's help, hopefully, <laughs> I will make sure this just gets more and more accessible. Um, but yeah, step by step. Now under here, if I arrow down, list with five items visited link file management. So we've got file management. These are probably all visited links because I've been on here quite a lot. Visited link Outlook emails. Outlook emails. Visited link Word documents. Word documents. Visited link Excel spreadsheets. Visited link Pocket podcasts. Okay, so we have all of them. The Pocket podcast works in a very similar way to the NCBI technology podcast. So if you listen to last September's <laughs> to, uh, NCBI technology podcast, it will tell you pretty much the same thing of how to access the audio widget now I know the word widget, the audio widget on that, the page. But if I go back up to um, file management. Link file management. File management without the mouse Sharon's shortcuts busy. Link skip to main content. Okay. So it always comes on the uh, skip to main content. But this time I'm just going to press H and I'll see if I can get the step by step. File management without the mouse heading level one. Complementary landmark step-by-step -step file management heading level three. So on each page, we kind of have a step-by-step um, -step menu, which will be particular to the section that we're in, or it'll be the general one with all the file management, Outlook, email, and Word documents, etc. So if I arrow down here... List with 12 items visited link startup and shutdown. So the start up and shut down is one topic. Visited link navigating files and folders. So navigating files and folders, if I press enter on that. Navigating files and folders, Sharon's shortcuts busy. I don't know why she keeps saying busy. Visited link skip to main content. So I just arrowed up there. I pressed control to stop her talking and then I arrowed up to skip to main content and I press enter. Main landmark files and folders on a computer are stored in a hierarchical structure. There are several levels arranged like branches of a tree. The first level of any storage device is like the trunk of the tree. Then the rest of the files and folders are arranged like the boughs, branches and twigs of the tree. It's quite a nice voice. A folder within another folder is called a subfolder. Okay. So, so, so this, is, this is online learning. Yes, you, you you have you've created um, and and are these are these uh, notes? Let's say that you've mm, created are mm -hmm. these kind of akin to ECDL? Oh yeah, they're kind of based on the ECDL notes. In fact, I hope my ECDL students are listening because that's what we're going to do next: uh, <laughs> files okay. and folders. But um, yes, they're they're not quite ECDL level. They don't have everything that's in the ECDL, but they are kind of at that level. But they're also um, they also go from scratch. Okay. So if you're kind of interested in ECDL, but you think, oh, God, that's way beyond what I know, you could actually have a play on this website and take in the information and, you know, it will it will take you from whatever level you're at. Um, ECDL is a very good um, qualification because it does cover pretty much everything that you do with a computer on a daily basis. Um, so it's it's a good it's kind of a it's a good marker for what you should know. Uh, Sharon, I'm, I'm just kind of thinking as you've been showing us this. So there was 12 sections in file management. Mm -hmm. I, I know because I looked at the Word and Excel. There's mm -hmm. loads of stuff in there. And yeah. I, I, by the way, I encourage people to go and look at it. Where's the... So at the moment, this is all free. Oh, yes. How, how are you going to get <laughs> something from this? Because I'm thinking at right now people could... And this is a wonderful, by the way, a great resource to find out everything you need to know about Excel or Word or Outlook. But... There's loads of other sites on the internet that are charging mm. for this type of stuff. You've chosen not to in this instance. Absolutely. Well, the, the, whole, the whole principle behind this is that if you were in a job or if you were at home and you wanted to know how to do something on a computer, if you were a mouse user, you would just look it up. You'd Google it or you'd go to YouTube, yeah? Mm -hmm. And there would be plenty of stuff there to tell you exactly how to do something on your computer and it would say click here click there you know um, which is fair enough and it's wonderful that we have all that at our fingertips but there's nothing really that there's lists of keyboard shortcuts and stuff but there's nothing that really takes you step by step 
through everyday uh, tasks on a computer using the keyboard. And I felt that as it's as all that stuff is free for people who use a mouse, then this should be free for people who don't use a mouse. Um, but yes, I do have to eat at the end of the day. <laughs> and so the, the one-to-one tutoring service um, will actually kind of be funding this. Also, I hope to uh, have kind of subscription services, you know, so where people can get a bit more than this, maybe some audio tutorials. Uh, we might be doing some workshops in Dublin. Um, yeah, and then what I would love to do is actually produce an online e-learning system where you can do ECDL, self-paced, from home, online, uh, available to everybody in Ireland um, with using keyboard shortcuts. And, and this is really interesting because Sharon and I have talked about this for a long time and, and we have, and a number of other people we have talked to and we have not found a system that does this. No, we have, we've tried, we've and, tried we've, yeah. and we've had a lot of really positive support from organisations to, to try and see if, if something could be made to be accessible. But it's, it's quite difficult when there's an existing system. Um, it's quite difficult to tweak it. It's possible, but it's a, it's a huge undertaking. Whereas if, if I start from scratch, I could create something uh, based on this content that then you could go through as a student, you could sign up to it. Obviously, that would be a paid service. Um, you sign up to a module, say Excel, and it would actually guide you through everything you need to know to get up to ECDL level. What I love about this as well, it's I haven't seen a learning environment before that I, let's say, as a blind person and you as a sighted person, if we were both beginners at Excel, we could learn the very same way and work along together and both use the same keyboard shortcuts. doesn't matter whether you're using assistive technology or not. Yes, yes. So it's, it's actually, although obviously I'm coming from the kind of helping people with the vision impairment, it's, it's actually all standard um, shortcuts. So anybody could actually use this. Fantastic. Sharon, you, you said at the very beginning, you were talking about it, a friend of yours said that you should write a book. Yeah. I, I still see the book coming, by the way. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it's fantastic. It really is. Um, look, I highly recommend people check this out because also you're, you're very, um, this is very fluid, like you're updating regularly, aren't you? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, tweaking. Actually, it's not perfect. I know it's not perfect, but um, if it was perfect, I probably had launched, waited too long to launch it. So it, it had to kind of get out there at some point. Um, but please tell me, please sign up to my mailing list and um, I'll keep you in touch with what's happening. And please tell me if there's anything on the website that you would like um, or if there's anything wrong or any problems you have, please do let me know um, and I'll, uh, I'll rectify it for you. And maybe very last question, um, people who might be listening to this who do want to get a bit of one-to-one training, how can they quickly get in touch with you to, to have a further further kind of discussion about it? Yeah, great. Um, there's a contact link on the website, so that'll give you a contact form, very easy to fill in. Or you can email, email me directly at info, I-N-F-O, at sharons-shortcuts.ie. All right, Sharon, congratulations. It's a great website. Thank you for sharing it and, I suppose, officially launching it with us here on the Technology Podcast. Exciting stuff. <laughs> um, and looking forward to more shortcuts in February. Great. Thanks very much, Stuart. you're listening to NCBI's technology podcast for January 2017. I do hope you're enjoying our program so far. And remember, if you'd like to get in touch at any time, technologypodcast at ncbi.ie is that all important email address. Now, on the 7th of November last, the Disability Federation of Ireland and Enable Ireland launched an assistive technology discussion paper. And the discussion paper was really looking at the future of assistive technology. Now, this was the result and 
culmination of many, many months of hard work on the part of both organisations and service users and indeed other organisations who support people with disabilities to use assistive technology. I was delighted to attend the launch and we're going to hear some recordings that I made on the day. Starting off, Siobhan Long, who is Manager of Assistive Technology Services with Enable Ireland, outlined for us some elements of the assistive technology paper. In particular, Siobhan wanted to focus on the case studies and the recommendations from the assistive technology paper. Let's have a listen. Another um, element of the research that we did, as I mentioned, was talking with assistive technology users, and we discovered some really interesting things in doing that. We undertook an, an exercise to look at what the cost benefits might be of assistive technology. And while I appreciate that this, this um, diagram might be difficult to see, you will be able to look at it in more detail on, in the report online. But I'm just going to share with you the headlines. We're going to look at three scenarios. One where somebody is living at home, another where somebody is in third level education, and the third where somebody is in employment. In this instance here, we have somebody who's living in their own apartment with the benefit of assistive technology. The HSE funded that assistive technology to the tune of 18,500 euros. Now, while that as a capital sum may strike you as being quite significant, if we look at what the impact of that assistive technology has been for that person, and that person reports that because she has, has the benefit of those technologies, and just to explain what they are, we're talking about electronic door openers, windows, curtains and blinds, a remote control to, to control um, the TV, um, and a, a CCTV at the front door for security purposes. That's the sum total of what she has. But as a result of that, it means that that person is able to live a life of her own choosing um, without the need for a personal assistance on a 24-7 basis. She estimates herself that she has saved herself having to access uh, personal assistance for a total of 69 hours per week. So if that is the case, and if you cost the, the impact of that, the annual cost of personal assistance for 69 hours a week is 59,000 euros. 18,500, 59,000. You're talking about a return on investment within four months of that um, assistive technology. And that's a, that's a very significant uh, finding. Also, if you translate the value of that assistive technology over, let's say, if you cost it over five years, generally a lot of this technology will last over seven years, but actually if you break it down, the cost per week over five years for that 18,500 investment is 70 euros or 10 euros a day. So I don't think there can be any argument that that's money not well spent. It's really um, very striking. The second example is of somebody in university. We spoke to somebody who had graduated from Trinity. Um, over the course of four years, the person, because um, she was born blind and she needed to use uh, screen reading technology to access her course, that screen reading technology was provided through her university at a cost of 5,800 euros. She also had the benefit of um, an educational support worker who needed to um, scan many of the hard copy books that weren't available at that time in soft copy. So the total cost of her assistive technology supports, human and technological, was just over 20,000 euros. Over the course of four years, you can see that that, that breaks down of 5,000 euros per annum. That person went on, on graduation, to secure a graduate position that was paying 36 and a half, just over 36,000 euros per annum. <coughs> over five years, that person's earning potential is 181,000 euros. If that person hadn't had that assistive technology, she is adamant that she wouldn't have been able to graduate. Thereby, she would have found herself with the likelihood of being far more reliant on the state for support, and the cost of disability allowance over five years is around 48,000 euros. So again, we're looking at, uh, sorry, over five years, that 48,000 euros. We're looking at earning potential of 181,000 versus dependence on the state of over 48,000. Really no argument to be made there. Not to mention, uh, you know, being an active participant in the economy, a taxpayer, and all of the rest of it. 
And the final case study that I'd just like to, to share with you is um, one of employment. Again, it's somebody who's um, told us their story very, very honestly. And I really want to thank all, all, all of the individuals who did who were willing to, to share their real-world experience, um, warts and all, with us of, of, of assistive technology use. This third person is um, working in the university sector um, as, in, in, uh, as a careers advisor. She is very clear that she has very minimal need for assistive technology. Essentially, she uses a mini keyboard and she has a height-adjustable uh, desk in her office. She also has some environmental controls in her own home, namely an electronic door opener and a CCTV. So the total cost of her assistive technology is just over 5,000 euros. However, again, she would say that without those technologies, she would not be able to work. So the benefit of those assistive technologies is that, again, she's a taxpayer, she's, her, her annual salary is in the region of 48,000 euros. So without those supports, she would again be dependent on the state on the disability allowance at a five-year cost, the same cost of, of over 45,000 euros. So again, we're just seeing consistent evidence of the, the value of early investment in assistive technology, supporting people to realize their own potential. I think it's a no-brainer, really. I, I, I don't know that we can really um, argue the toss on this anymore. Um, and that brings me just to share with you the highlights of the recommendations of this report. I would invite you all to um, take your own time to read the report and read the detail of the recommendations. I'm just going to give you the headlines. But what I hope is that as a result of, of being here and of um, reading the report, that you will begin to take an active role in pushing this agenda forward in whatever capacity, in whatever way you deem most appropriate to your own needs um, and to your own professional role if you're, if you're working in the area. So, the first, the first recommendation is that we need to see the issue of a cross-governmental policy statement on assistive technology. And the reason we say that is because the dots, the dots need to be joined up. There is activity happening in health, in education, in social protection, in employment, but there are no connecting of dots going on. And it seems a real shame that in 2016, with all of the technology that we have at our fingertips, that we can't coordinate that process a lot more. So I think it would be fantastic if at government level, and this would be very much chiming with the National Disability uh, Strategy, whereby um, cross-departmentally there was a recognition of a need to coordinate services. Um, around disability. We're saying for people with disabilities and for older people, please can we have a cross-governmental policy statement on assistive technology. The second thing we want on this, as Fanula said, is a linchpin of the report recommendations, is the introduction of an assistive technology passport so that individuals can move through their life with a document that can be updated but that clearly outlines what their needs are and streamlines the process of them getting what they need when they need it and moving from education to employment to home in a much more um, effective and efficient way than is currently the case where many people find themselves without technology at crucial transition um, points in their lives. Um, in the report you'll see that we've sketched out in much greater detail how we imagine this report, this um, assistive technology passport to work. So we're looking at everything from referral and eligibility through the, the selection of assistive technology right through to the issuing and the management and follow-up. So we, we've sketched it out um, to that point. We think there's a lot more discussion that needs to take place to really tease out the implementation of such a proposal, but we firmly believe that it is something that will really make um, a very significant impact if it, if it can be adopted. The third recommendation is around assigning a central coordinating agency with responsibility to support an ecosystem, an assistive technology ecosystem. We're not suggesting the creation of any new quango. We believe that the capacity is there in government, in the agency, in education, somewhere there needs to sit a coordinating body that will ensure that what, fundings, what funds are being provided for employment are taken into consideration when somebody is looking for independent living supports or for somebody who's going into um, third level education, primary or secondary. That's simply what we're looking for. 
and we've again we've sketched out what we think that might look like, but it needs a lot more um, teasing out by people like yourselves in this room. But we believe that it should encompass things like procurement, information provision, and a huge part of what we need to do. We're living in an information society. How long have we been, we've been listening to this? But the provision of really solid um, online advice around assistive technology and information on assistive technology is a key component of, of this ecosystem of support. We believe in the support of innovation and research, and again, we're seeing wonderful things happening in the university sector. We've seen through the chat hub people coming from engineering departments with wonderful um, 3D printers that they don't know what to do with. We have all kinds of things that we'd like 3D printed. So, you know, making those connections are really, really important. Training, service provision, um, funding, you know, it's all there as part of the ecosystem. We can't just look at one element without looking at all of the others. <coughs> the fourth, again, was very much links back to the, the previous one, and that is providing up-to-date information, advice, and peer supports. And we would believe that that's not a particularly difficult thing to do. There's some very good online resources already there in terms of information provision. Um, this is Ireland being a really good example. We, we believe that you know, with greater uh, combined effort that we can reach people who need the information on assistive technology. And for many of them, that's all they will need. They will get on with it once they get that information. But um, right now, if you do have a need for assistive technology, it's very hard to know quite where to start. The fifth recommendation is that we develop funding protocols, and they're very much tied into that idea of coordinating them across the lifespan and across government departments that are relevant. The sixth is that we develop a model of service provision, because right now there's a lot of splintered models of service delivery happening in different sectors. Very much open to debate and discussion. And then the final recommendation is that we develop the capacity of AT users and professionals and that we promote research and innovation. Um, capacity building is something that we've really learned the value of through chat and through the, the kind of exponential impact of so many different players coming together from so many different sectors. So we just want to harness all of that and really make it work to the benefit of those who need um, this, these technologies. And we do believe that promoting research and innovation here in Ireland will help to really copper fasten this ecosystem that we know we can create and we certainly know there is a need for um, among people with disabilities and older people. That was Siobhan Long, uh, hopefully whetting your appetite to read the full assistive technology paper. We've linked to it on the show notes for this episode of our podcast, so do go over uh, to the Enable Ireland website and download your copy. It's well worth reading and some really interesting statistics on that paper as well. Now, Christina McCarthy is an assistive technology user and she told her own story at the assistive technology paper launch. The story I'm going to tell you Siobhan mentioned that we're on a step in a journey. Well, I'd like to tell you a little bit about my journey with assistive technology. Um, for me, it all began when I was five years old and I got given that rather large and clunky looking machine up on the slide, which is a brownie. And that really opened up the world to me because for me, braille means literacy, braille means numeracy. Braille means access to information. And without that piece of technology, which hasn't changed a lot over the years, I wouldn't have had any of that. And as things do through the years, they moved on. I got a bit older. And then we got talking computers and talking mobile phones. And apart from having a computer to access education, to access information, again, it's all about access. Do any of you remember Wanting privacy when you were a teenager, you know, when you were about 16. Maybe wanting to be able to send your own text messages. Yeah. yeah, well, I couldn't do that myself until I was about 16. And for my 16th birthday, my parents gave me a talking mobile phone. And we've used the word transformative and game changer quite a lot today. Well, you want to see me when I sent that first text message. I was in shock. It was absolutely brilliant. But on a more serious note, it's not just the little things, it's not just, sorry, it's not just the big things, it's the little things too. 
I now use an iPhone without and I use a computer with an electronic braille display. <coughs> without that, I wouldn't have the confidence to be up here because I wouldn't have attained a degree. I wouldn't have to probably I might have I would have managed my leaving search, but I think it would have been much, much harder. I mean, without all that, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have the confidence. I wouldn't be as independent as I am. I wouldn't be able to do any of the things that I've been able to do in the last few years. So what I would ask you really is, can you put a price on someone's independence? Can you put a price on someone's literacy? Can you put a price on someone being able to live equally with their peers? Just think about it. That's all I'm asking you to do. Thank you very much. Really powerful presentation there from Christina McCarthy. Well done, Christina. And finally, I had a chance to catch up after the event with Siobhan Long from Enable Ireland and Joan O'Donnell from the Disability Federation of Ireland. I'm delighted to be joined by Joan O'Donnell from the Disability Federation of Ireland and Siobhan Long from Enable Ireland, two of the key architects of the assistive technology paper and I suppose of this event that we're here at today. Joan and Siobhan, you're both very welcome. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks, thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. Um, Siobhan, it's been, there was real energy in the room this morning. People were very excited. Did you pick up on that? Are you, are you excited? I am. I am excited and I was really excited by the um, rich, richly diverse mix of people who were here today at this launch of assistive technology for people with disabilities and older people in Ireland. Because Stuart, you know, we know that there's far too little support for people who need assistive technology. But we also know from today that there are an awful lot of people who are really interested in changing that. Um, and that's that's really why it, it is really positive to have a day like today. Okay. Now, I was really interested when I was looking at some of the stats in the report, and you mentioned some of these in your own presentation, but 41% of people you spoke to have funded their own technology. That's I know. Amazing. That was a real discovery for us as well, Stuart. We... Um, as a result of an online survey, 236 respondents told us what their experience was with assistive technology. And to discover that four out of ten people are buying their own technology, I suppose we would we would interpret that finding in two ways. Number one, they're not getting the funding through the state. But number two, very interestingly, they are funding what would now be much more mainstream solutions than in the past. So they're buying a smartphone and using apps to um, you know, surf the web or send an email or send a text, where previously they might have had to buy very special solutions. Same for somebody who might be non- non-verbal and want to use a communication uh, solution. They might just be buying an iPad or another tablet device and downloading an app. So technology is becoming much more affordable with each passing month. Um, and that potential impact on um, the world of assistive technology users is enormous because the costs are coming down and the availability is going up. Okay. Joan, the assistive technology passport is something that's been talked about here throughout the day. This idea that you'll have this, I guess, document or this, uh, this passport, let's call it, that goes with you throughout your life and that kind of says what technology you have used and are using currently and it sounds to me like a really really smart idea where are you and where are the DFI sitting on that? Um, well, clearly having been part of the research team that has looked at international best practices and what's happening in other countries, we were trying to come up with a solution that would be systemically viable, if you like, in Ireland, one that would actually work. And the idea of the assistive technology passport um, was developed in response to the, the reality here that um, there's a lot of fragmentation in services. Um, kids start school, they finish, they start school, they get get some technology, they finish school, they leave that technology behind, and they have to start from scratch again when they go to um, third-level college. They have to start again when they go into the workplace. So clearly that's the time lags in getting equipment, the time lags in getting equipment funded, as Siobhan was saying, so many people are funding it themselves, and causing 
great difficulties um, in terms of how people can progress with their lives. So the idea of the assistive technology passport was to bypass all that. And clearly it puts the person with a disability or the older person in charge of their own technology needs. It puts them at the centre in a really um, holistic way and in a new way that current service delivery doesn't do. And one of the things we were very concerned about was that um, the, the, the lack of information, information being lost between different services. So we wanted to have a system where the assistive technology passport would be owned by the person with a disability or older person and they can move through different services with that. Um, so it would help with the process of referral, with assessments, selection of solution and equipment and it would also provide a history of their AT use. It sounds like such a great idea. We've all heard the stories where maybe the technology that was recommended was not appropriate or somebody's disability had had changed a little by the time the funding became available. This will alleviate all that, right? Um, We're very much hoping so. Um, That's that's right, Stuart. I think that one of the things is is that there's a huge abandonment rates with um, assistive technology. Um, Giving somebody a piece of equipment as you well know is not an assistive technology solution. People require training, they require supports to varying levels. So you can have somebody who needs a very simple piece of equipment but has got extensive training support needs or you can have somebody with very complex needs who's already quite an expert in their own um, their own technology use. So all of these things need to be accounted for within the passport. Okay, and finally, Siobhan, you've launched this report. You've created a great awareness around assistive technology. People are excited today. Where to next? What needs to happen, do you think? Well, one of the the key recommendations is that we have a cross departmental uh, statement a policy statement from government about their commitment to assistive technology and I think that really needs to happen so we are really open to discussions with uh, government around how to make that happen and from that then we also need to see the establishment of a cross departmental coordinating agency that will oversee the dispersal of funds for assistive technology and I think if we could see those two things happening along with the growth of the chat Community Hub for Assistive Technology Forum. I think those things happening in tandem will certainly lay the foundations further for you know what we want, which is that the people who need assistive technology can get their hands on it when they need it. Very good. Joan and Siobhan, congratulations on a superb piece of work. And I know the journey is, is far from over, but we've made good inroads today. Congratulations to you both and thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Thanks, Stuart. Many thanks to Joan O'Donnell and Siobhan Long for uh, bringing a very nice set of recordings to a close on a really positive day in the National Concert Hall. I, I left the venue certainly feeling that assistive technology and the use of assistive technology and all the challenges around provision of assistive technology in Ireland had got a really good airing on that day. And now I think we all as a community need to keep the pressure on and and move to the next stage and work collaboratively um, to make sure that the recommendations in that paper uh, get brought through to a stage of actual implementation. So do go and read the paper on the um, Enable Ireland websites. It's well worth a read. Uh, That's just about it for this month. Thank you to all our contributors. Eleanor Merchant, who's about to head off to the BT Young Scientist, and we wish her all the very best. Uh, Siobhan Long, Joan O'Donnell, Christina McCarthy, and Sharon Lyons. Uh, We're back in February when, amongst other things, I'll be speaking to a gentleman from Greece who has designed a new accessible calculator for Android. Until then, this is Stuart Luller saying take care, thank you for listening, and see you in February. Bye-bye.